0: Hello and welcome to the newest episode of The Very Harry Podcast. I'm your reader, Talon, and let's get started. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets by J.K. Rowling. Read to you by Talon. (sighs) Chapter 11, The Dueling Club. Harry woke up on Saturday morning to find the dormitory blazing with winter sunlight, and his arm rebounded but very stiff. Harry sat up quickly and looked over at Colin's bed, but it had been blocked from view by the high curtains Harry had changed behind yesterday. Seeing that he was awake, Madame Pomfrey came bustling over with a breakfast tray, and then began bending and stretching his arms, his arm and fingers. All in order, she said as she clumsily fed him as, she said, as he clumsily fed himself porridge, left-handed. When you've finished eating, you may leave. Harry dressed as quickly as he could and hurried off to the Gryffindor Tower, desperate to tell Ron and Hermione about Colin. About Colin and Dobby. But they weren't there. Harry left to look for them, wondering where they could have got to, and feeling slightly hurt that they weren't interested in whether his bones were back or not. Harry passed the library. Percy Weasley strolled out of it, looking far, looking in far better spirits than last time they'd met. "Hello, Her- oh, hello, Harry," he said. "Excellent flying yesterday, really excellent. Gryffindor is just taking the lead for the house cup. You." You earned fifty points. You haven't seen Ron and Hermione, have you? He said. No, I haven't," said Percy, his smile fading. I hope Ron's not in another girl's toilet. Harry forced a laugh, watched Percy walk out of sight, and then ro- and then walked out. Forced a laugh, watched Percy walk out of sight, and then headed straight for Moaning Myrtle's bathroom. Couldn't see why Ron and Hermione would be in there again. But after making sure neither Filch nor any prefects were around, he opened the door and heard their voices coming from a locked stall. "'It's me,' he said, closing the door behind him. There was a clunk and a splash and a gasp from within the stall and Hermione's eye peering through the keyhole. "'Harry!' she said. "'You gave us such a fright. "'Come in. How's your arm?' "'Fine,' said Harry.' Squeezing into the stall, an old cauldron was perched on the toilet, and, cra- and crackling from under the rim told Harry that that they had lit a fire beneath it. Conjuring up a portable waterproof, conjuring of portable waterproof fires was a special was a specialty of Hermione's. We'd have come to meet you, but we decided to get started on the polyjuice potion. Ron explained as Harry, with dip- difficulty. Locked the stall again. We've decided this is the safest place to hide it. Harry started to tell them about Colin, but Hermione interrupted. We already know. We already know. We heard Professor McGonagall telling Professor Flitwick this morning. That's why we decided we'd better get going. The sooner that we that we get a confession out of Malfoy, the better. Snarled, Snarled Ron. You know what I think? I think he, he was into such a foul temper after the Quidditch match, he took it out on Colin. There's something else, said Harry, watching Hermione watching Hermione tearing bundles of knot grass and throwing them into the potion. Dobby came to visit me in the middle of the night. Ron and Hermione looked up, amazed. Harry told them everything Dobby had told them, or hadn't told him. Hermione and Ron listened with their mouths open. The Chamber of Secrets has been opened before, Hermione said. This settles it, said Ron in, in a triumphant voice. Lucius Malfoy must have must have opened the Chamber of Secrets at, when he was at school here, and now he's told dear old Draco how to do it. It's obvious. Wish Dobby told you what kind of monsters what kind of monsters in there though. I want to know. I want to know how come nobody's noticed it sneaking around the sneaking around the school. Maybe it can make itself invisible, said Hermione, prodding leeches prodding leeches to the bottom of the cauldron. Or maybe it can disguise itself, pretend to be a suit of armor or something. I've read about I've read about chameleon ghouls. You read too much, Hermione, said Ron, pouring dead lace wings on top of the leeches. He crumpled up the empty the empty lace wing bag and looked at harry so dobby so dobby stopped us from getting onto the train and so dobby stopped us for, from getting onto the train and broke your arm he shook his head you know what harry if he doesn't try if he doesn't stop trying to save your life he's going to kill you the news that colin creevy had been attacked was now lying through was now lying as though was now lying as though dead in the hospital wing. Wait. The news that Colin Creevy had been attacked and was now lying as though dead in the hospital wing had spread through the entire school by Monday morning. The air was suddenly thick with rumor and suspicion. The first years were now moving around the castle in in tight knit groups, as though scared they would be attacked if they ventured forth alone. Jenny, Jenny Weasley, who, set, who sat next to Colin Creevy and charms, was distraught, but Harry felt that Fred and George were going the wrong way about cheering her up. They were taking turns. Can uh, They were taking turns covering themselves with fur or boils, and jumping out from behind the, st- jumping out at her from behind the statues. The only, the only stop. They only stopped when Percy. A pollock with rage, told them he w- that he was going to write to Missus Weasley and tell her that Ginny was having nightmares. Meanwhile, hidden from the teachers, a roaring, a roaring trade of talismans, amulets, and protective devices was was sweeping the school. Now, Longbottom bought a large, evil-smelling green onion. And pointed a pointed purple. Crystal and rotting newt tail. Before the other Gryffindor boys pointed out that he was in no danger, he was pure blood and therefore unlikely to be attacked. They went. They went for Filch first, said Neville. Said his round face fearful. Everyone knows I'm almost a squib. In the second week of December, Professor McGonagall came around. Came around as usual collecting names of those who would be staying at school for christmas harry Ron, and hermione signed her list they had heard that malfoy was staying which struck them of, as suspicious the holidays would be the perfect time for them to use the polyjuice potion and try to and try to worm a confession out of him unfortunately the potion, the potion was only half finished was only half finished they still needed a bicorn horn and in the boomslang skin in the only place they were going to get they were going to get them from they were going to get them was from Snape's private stores. Harry privately felt he'd rather face Slytherin's legendary monster than let Snape catch him robbing his office. What we need, said Hermione briskly, as Thursday what we need, said Hermione briskly, as Thursday afternoon's double potions lesson lesson has looped had loomed nearer. It's a, diver- it's a diversion. Then one of us can sneak into Snape's office and take what we need. Harry and Ron looked at her nervously. I think it's—I think I'd better do the actual. St- I think I'd better do the actual stealing. Hermione continued in a matter-of-fact tone. You two will be expelled if you get into any more trouble. I've got a clean record. So all you need so all you need to do is cause enough mayhem to keep Snape busy for five minutes or so. Harry smiled feebly. Deliberately causing mayhem in Snape's potions class was about as safe as poking a sleeping dragon in the eye. Potions lesson... Potions lesson... uh, It's so hard to say sometimes. Potions lessons took place in one of the large dungeons. Thursday afternoon's lesson proceeded in the usual way. Twenty cauldrons stood steaming between the wooden desks, on which stood brass scales and jars of ingredients. Snape prowled through the f- through the fumes, making waspish remarks about the Gryffindor's work, while the Slytherin snickered appreci- appreciatively. Draco Malfoy, who was Snape's favorite student, kept flipping... Kept flicking pufferfish eyes at Ron, at Ron and Harry, who knew if they retaliated they would get detention. Fat. That if they retaliated they would get detention faster than you could say unfair. Harry's swelling solution was far too runny. And he had, but he had his mind on more important things. He was waiting for Hermione's signal, and. He hardly listened to Snape. He hardly listened as Snape paused to sneer at his watery potion, when Snape turned, turned and walked off to bully Neville. Hermione caught Harry's eye and nodded. Harry ducked swiftly down between his, behind his cauldron, pulled one of Fred's filibuster fireworks out of his pocket and gave it a quick prod with his wand. The firework began to fizz and sputter. Knowing he only had seconds, Harry straightened up. Took a an name and lobbed it in the air. He landed it. He landed right on target in Goyle's cauldron. Goyle's potion exploded, showering the whole class, showering the whole class. People shrieked as splashes of the swelling solution hit them. Malfoy got a face full, and his nose began to swell like a balloon. Gal- oh, Gal- Goyle blundered around, his hands covered it, covered his eyes which had expanded to the size of dinner plates. Snape was trying to restore calm and find out what happened through the confusion. Through the confusion, Harry saw Hermione slip quietly into Snape's office. Silence, silence, Snape roared. Anyone who has been splashed, come here for a deflating draft. When I find out who did this, Harry tried not to laugh, as he watched Malfoy hurry forward, his head dropping with the weight of his his head dropping with the weight of his nose, like a small melon, as half the class l- lumbered up to Snape's desk. Wait, as half the class, wait, as half the class lumbered up to Snape's Snape's desk, some weighed down, some weighed down with arms like clubs, un- others unable to talk through gigantic puffs up, through gigantic puffed up lips. There's Hermione slide back into the dungeon and the front of her robes bulging. When everyone had taken a swig from the antidote and the various swellings had subsided, Snape swept over Goyle's cauldron and scooped out a twisted, the twisted black remains of the firework. There was a sudden hush. If I ever find out who threw this, Snape whispered, I shall make... I shall make sure that person is expelled. Harry arranged his face into what hoped to be a puzzled expression. Snape was looking right at him. The bell that rang ten minutes later could not have been more welcome. He knew it was me, Harry told Ron and Hermione as they hurried back to Moaning Merle's bathroom. I could tell. Hermione threw the ingredients into the cauldron and began to stir feverishly. It'll be ready in two weeks, she said she said happily. Snape can't snake can't prove it was you, said Ron reassuringly to Harry. What can he do? Knowing Snape, something foul, said Harry, as the potion frothed and bubbled. A week later, Harry, Ron, and Hermione were walking across the entrance hall when they saw a small knot of people gathered around the notice board, reading a piece of paper a piece of parchment that had just been pinned up. Seamus Finnegan and Dean Thomas beckoned them over, looking excited. They're starting a dueling club, said Seamus. First meeting tonight. I wouldn't mind du- I wouldn't mind dueling lessons. They might come in handy one of these days. What do you reckon Slytherin's mo- what what you reckon Slytherin's monster can duel? said Ron, but he too read the sign with interest. Could be useful," he said to Harry and Hermione as they went into dinner. "Shall we go?" Harry and Hermione were all for it, so at eight o'clock that evening they hurried back to the great hall. The long dining table had vanished, and a golden stage had appeared along the wall, lit by thousands of candles floating overhead. The ceiling was velvety black. Was velvety black once more? Was vel- bleh, was velvety black once more? And most of the schools seemed to be packed under beneath it, all carrying their wands and looking excited. I wonder who will be teaching us, said Hermione as they edged into the chattering crowd. Someone told, me Flit- Someone told me Flitwick was a dueling champion when he was young. Maybe it'll be him. As long as it's not, Harry began, but he ended on a groan. Gilderoy Lockhart was walking onto the stage, replecent in his robes of deep plum, of deep plum, and accompanied by none other than Snape, wearing his usual black. Lockhart waved an arm for silence and called, "Gather round, gather round! Can everyone see me? Can you? Can you all hear me? Excellent!" Now, Professor Dumbledore had. Granted me permission to start this little dueling club to train you all in case you ever need to defend yourselves as myself as I myself have done countless on countless occasions for full details, see my published works. Let me introduce you to my assistant, said Lockhart with flashing a wide smile. He tells me he knows a tiny little bit about dueling himself and has sportingly agreed to help me with a short with A short demonstration before we begin. Now I don't want any of you youngsters to worry. You'll still have your potions, Master, when I'm through with him. Never fear. Wouldn't wouldn't it be good if they finished each other off? Ron muttered into Harry's ear. Snape's upper lip was curling. Harry wondered why Lockhart was still smiling. Snape had been looking at him... If Snape had been looking at him like that... He'd have been running as fast as he could in the opposite direction. Lockhart and Snape turned to face each other and bowed, at least Lockhart did, with much twirling of his hands, whereas Snape jerked his head irritably. Then they raised their wands like swords in front of them. Make sure you see where you're holding... Make sure we are holding our wands in the accepted combat competitive combative position, Lockhart told the silent crowd. On the count of three, we will cast our first spells. Neither of us will be aiming to kill, of course. I wouldn't bet on that, Harry murmured, uh, watching Snape baring his teeth. One, two, three. Both of them swung their wands above their heads and pointed them at their opponent. Snape cried, Expelliarmus! There was a deaf. There was a dazzling flash of scarlet light, and Lockhart was blasted off his feasts, feet. He flew backward off the stage, smashed into the wall, and slid down in, into a sprawl on the floor. Malfoy and some of the other Slytherins cheered. Hermione was dead, dancing on tiptoes. Do you think she's all? what? Wa- oh, no, not she. Do you think... So- Don't- Do you think... So- mm, can't say it right. Do you think he's all right? She squeaked. She squealed through her fingers. Who cares, said Harry and Ron together. Lockhart was getting unsteadily to his feet. His hat had fallen off, and his wavy hair was standing on end. Well, there you have it, he said, tottering back onto the platform. That was the disarming charm. As you see, I've lost my wand. Ah, thank you, Miss Brown, yes. An excellent an excellent idea to show them that, Professor Snape. But if you don't mind my saying so, it was very obvious what you were about to do and if i if i if if I had wanted to stop you, it would have only been too easy. However, I felt it would be instructive instructive to let them see. Snape was looking murderous, possibly Lockhart had noticed because he said, enough demonstrating i'm going to I'm going to come amongst you." amongst you now and put you all into pairs. Professor Snape, if you'd like if you'd like to help me. He moved through the crowd, matching up partners. Lockhart teamed Neville with Justin Finch Fletchy, but Snape reached Harry and Ron first. Time to sp- split the dream team up, I think, he sneered. Weasley, you can partner you can partner Finnegan. Potter Harry automatically moved towards Hermione. I don't think so, said Snape, smiling coolly. Mr. Malfoy, come over here. Let's see what you make of the famous Harry Potter. And you, Miss Granger, you can partner with Miss Bulstrode. Malfoy strutted over, smirking. Behind him was a Slytherin girl who reminded Harry of a picture he'd seen in Holidays with Hags. She was large and square, and and her jaw... And her heavy jaw jaw jutted aggravously. Agri- Hermione gave her Hermione gave her a weak smile that she did not return. Face your partners, called Lockhart, back on the platform, and bow. Harry and Malfoy inclined their heads, not taking an eye off each other. "One's at the ready!" shouted Lockhart. When I count to three, you cast charms that to disarm your opponents. Only to disarm them. We don't want any accidents. One, two, three. Harry swung his wand high up swung his wand high. But Malfoy had already started on two. His spell hit Harry so hard it felt as though he had been hit over the head with a saucepan. He stumbled, but everything still seemed to be working. And wasting no time Harry pointed his wand straight at Malfoy and shouted, "Rictum Symphra. A jet of silver light hit Malfoy in the stomach, and he doubled over, wheezing. "I said, disarm only!" Lockhart shouted in alarm over the heads of the battling crowds. As Malfoy sank to his knees, Harry had hit him. As Malfoy sank to his knees, Harry had hit him with a tickling charm, and he only, and he could only barely move. For, he could only barely move for laughing. Harry hung back with a vague feeling it would be unsupporting to be bewitch Malfoy while he was on the floor. But this was a mistake. Gasping for breath, Malfoy pointed his wand at, wand at Harry's knees and pointed. Tartan- ten- t- Tartanagallera. In the next second, Harry's legs had begun to jerk around, out of control, in a kind of quick step. "'Stop! Stop!' screamed Lockhart, but Snape took charge. "'By night's incantarum,' he shouted, Harry's feet stopped dancing. Malfoy stopped laughing, and they were able to look up. A haze of green smoke was hovering over the scene. Both Neville and Justin were lying on the floor, panting. Ron was holding up an ashen-faced Seamus, apologizing for whatever his broken wand had done, and Hermione and Millicent Bolstrode were still moving. Millicent had Hermione in a headlock, and Hermione was whimpering in pain. Both their, wa- both their wands lay forgotten on the floor. Harry leapt forward, forward pulled Millicent off, and, and pulled Millicent off. It was it was difficult. She was a lot bigger than he was. Dear, dear," said Lockhart, skittering through the crowd, looking looking at the aftermath of the duels. Up you go, Macmillan. Careful there, Miss Fawcett. Pinch it hard; it'll stop bleeding in a second boot. I think it's better to teach you how to block unfriendly spells," said Lockhart, standing flushed flustered in the midst, in the midst of the hall. He glanced at Snape, whose black eyes glinted and looked away and looked quickly away. Let's have a volunteer pair. Longbottom and Finch Fletcher, how about you? Bad idea Profe- bad idea, Professor Lockhart, said Snape, gliding over a large mal- a lar- gliding over like a large and malovent bat. Longbottom causes devastation with the simplest spells. We'll be sending what's left of Finch Fles- Fletchy up to the hospital wing in a matchbox. <sighs> Neville's round pink face went pinker. How about Malfoy and Potter? said Snape with a twisted smile. Excellent idea, said Lockhart, gesturing Harry and Malfoy to the middle of the hall as the crowd backed away to give them room. Now, Harry, when Lockhart points his wand at you, you do this. He raised his own wand and and attempted a complicated sort of wiggling action and dropped it. Snape smirked as Lockhart quickly picked it up, saying, Whoops, my wand's a little overexcited. Whoops, my wand is a little overexcited. Snape moved closer to Malfoy, bent down, and whispered something in his ear. Malfoy smirked, too. Harry looked up nervously at Lockhart and said, Professor, could you show me that blocking thing again? Scared," muttered Malfoy, so that Lockhart couldn't hear him. "You wish," said Harry, out of the corner of his mouth. Lockhart cuffed Harry merrily on the shoulder. "Just do what I did, Harry." But what? What if I drop my wand? What? Drop my wand? But Lockhart wasn't listening. Three, two, one, go. Malfoy raised his wand quickly and bellowed, "Serpensortia!" The end of his wand exploded. Harry watched aghast as a long black snake shot out of it, fell heavily on the floor between them, and raised itself, ready to strike. There were screams of the crowd. There were screams as the crowd backed swiftly away, clearing the floor. "Don't move, Potter!" said Snape lazily, clearly enjoying the sight of Harry standing motionless eye to eye with the the angry snake. "'I'll get rid of it.' "'Allow me,' said Lockhart. He brandished his wand at the snake, and and there was a loud bang. The snake, instead of vanishing, flew ten feet in the air and fell back to the floor with a loud smack.' Enraged, hissing furiously, it slid straight toward Dresden Finch Fletchy, and raised itself again, fangs exposed Fangs exposed po- poised to fight, to strike. Harry wasn't sure what made him do it. He wasn't even he wasn't even aware he was deciding to do it. All he knew that all he knew was that his legs were carrying him forward as so though this as though he was on casters, and that made him... He was on casters, and that he had shouted stupidly at the snake, Leave him alone, he said miraculously. He said, and miraculously, indecemply, inexplicably, oh, sorry, inexplicably, the snake slumped to the floor, decoil. Slumped to the floor, decoil as a thick black garden ho- hose. Its now, I, its eyes now on Harry. Harry felt fear drain the fear drain out of him. He knew the snake wouldn't attack anyone now, though he knew, though how he knew it, he couldn't explain. He couldn't have explained. He looked up at Justin, grinning, e- expecting to see Justin looking relieved, or puzzled, or even grateful, but certainly not angry and scared. What do you think you're playing at? he shouted before Harry could say anything just and before Harry could say anything, Justin had turned and stormed out of the hall. Snape stepped forward, his waved his wand, and the snake vanished, in a small puff of black smoke. Snape too was looking at Harry in an unexpected way. It was a shrewd and calculating look, and Harry didn't like it. He was also dimly aware of the ominous muttering all around the wall all around the walls. He felt then he felt a tugging on the back of his robes. Come on, said Ron said Ron's voice in his ear. Move, come on. Ron steered him out of the hall, Hermione hurrying alongside them. As they went through the doors, the people on either side drew away, as though they were fighting as though they were frightened of catching something. Harry didn't have a clue of catching something. Harry didn't have a clue what was going on, and neither did Ron nor Hermione explain anything until they dragged him into all the way up to the empty Gryffindor common room. Then Ron pushed him. Then Ron, then Ron pushed Harry into an armchair and said, You're a parcel mouth. You're a parcel mouth. Why didn't you tell us? I'm a what? said Harry. A parcel mouth, said Ron. You can talk to snakes. I know, said Ron. No. Oh, Ron. I know, said Harry. I mean, that's only the time I've ever done it. I accidentally set a bow constructor on my cousin Dudley at the zoo once. Long story. But it was telling me it had never been to Brazil. And I sort of and I sort of set it free without meaning to. That was before I knew I was a wizard. A bow constructor told you it had never seen Brazil. Ron, Ron repeated faintly. So, said Harry... I bet loads of people here can do it. This is long. Let's take a break here. Okay, took a little break. Now let's finish the chapter. So said Harry. I bet loads of people here can do it. Oh no, they can't. Said Ron. It's not very. It's not a very common gift. Harry, this is bad. What's bad? Said Harry, starting to feel quite angry. What's wrong with everyone? Listen, if I hadn't told that snake not to attack Justin. Oh, is that what you said? Is that what you said to it? Oh, is that what you said to it? What do you mean? You were there. You heard me. I heard you speak. I heard you speaking tongue, said Ron. Snake language. You could have been saying anything. No wonder Justin panicked. It sounded like you were egging the snake on it sounded like you were egging the snake on or something it was creepy you know harry gaped at him i spoke a different language but i didn't realize how can i speak a language without knowing i can speak it ron shook his head both he and hermione were looking as though someone had di- as though someone had died harry couldn't see what was so what was so terrible? Do you want to tell me what's wrong with stopping a massive snake, massive snake from biting off Justin's head? He said, "What well, doesn't matter how, how I did it, just as, as long Justin doesn't have to join the headless hunt." It matters," said Hermione, speaking the last, the last, at last in a hushed voice. Speaking at last in a hushed voice. Because being able to talk to snakes was what Salazar Slytherin was famous for. That's why the symbol of Slytherin House is a serpent. Harry's mouth fell open. Exactly, said Ron. And now the whole school's gonna think you're great great. He's your. You're his great great. Great, great grandson or something. Lost my place here. Aha, uh-huh. there it is. But I'm not," said Harry, with a panic he couldn't quite explain. "You'll find, you'll find that hard to prove," said Hermione. He lived about a thousand years ago. For all we know, he could be. Harry lay awake for, for hours that night, through the gap. Through the gap in the curtains, his four his four poster. From through the gap in his curtains, around his four poster, he watched the snow starting to drift past the tower window and wondered, could he be a descendant um, of Salazar Slytherin? He didn't know. He didn't know anything about his father's family at all. The Dursleys had always forbidden questions about his wizarding relatives. Quietly, Harry tried to say something in parcel tongue. The words wouldn't come. He seemed to have. He seemed. He seemed he had to be face to face with with a snake to do it. But I'm a Gryffindor. But I'm a Gryffindor. Harry thought the Sorting Hat wouldn't have put me. Wouldn't have put me in here if I had Slytherin blood," Ah said a nasty little voice inside his brain. "But the Sorting cat wanted to put you in Slytherin, don't you remember?" Harry turned over. He he'd seen Justin the next day in Herbology, and he'd explain, and he'd see Justin the next day in Herbology, and he'd. Explain what he, that he'd been calling the snake off, not egging it on, which he thought angrily pummeling his pillow, any fool should have realized. By the next morning, however, by the next morning, however, the snow had begun. The snow, the snow that had begun in the night, had turned into a blizzard so thick. That the last herbology lesson of the term was cancelled, Professor Sprout wanted to fit socks and scarves on the mandrakes. A tricky operation she would, in- a tricky operation she would entrust in no one else. Now that it was so important for the mandrakes to grow quickly, and revive Missus um. Norris and Colin Creevy. Harry fretted about his next about this next to the fire in the Gryffindor common room. While Harry, were, well, not Harry. While Ron and Hermione used their time off to play a game of wizard's chess. For heaven's sake, Harry! For heaven's sake, Harry! Said Hermione, exasperated. Said Hermione, exasperated as one of Ron's bishops wrestled her knight off its horse and dragged him off the board. Just go and find Justin, if it's so important to you. Harry got to his feet got up so Harry got up and left through the portrait hole, wondering where Justin might be. The castle was darker than than it usually was than it usually was in the daytime because of the thick because of the thick swirling grey snow at every window. Shivering, Harry walked past walked past classrooms where lessons were taking place, catching snatches of what was happening within, Professor McGonagall was shouting at someone who, by the sound of it, had turned his friend into a badger. Resisting the urge to take a look, Harry walked on, walked on, walked on by, thinking that Justin might be using his free time to catch up on some work, and decided to go check the library first. A group of Hufflepuff a group of hufflepuffs who should have been in the herb who should have been in herbology were indeed sitting were indeed sitting in the back of the library but they didn't seem to be working between the long lines of high bookshelves harry could see their heads were close together and they didn't and they were having what looked like an absorbing conversation he he couldn't see whether justin was among them he was walking towards them when something of what they were saying when something of what they were saying met his ears, and he paused to listen, hidden in the invis, hidden in the invisibility section so anyway, a stout boy was saying i ju- I told Justin to hide up in our dormitory i mean I mean to say if Potter's marked him down as his next as his next victim he'd He'd best keep a low a low profile for low profile for a while. Of course, Justin's been waiting for something like this to happen ever since he let it slip to Potter that he was muggle born. Justin actually told him actually told him he'd been down for down for Eaton Etron Eaton Eaton. And not the kind of thing not the kind of thing you'd bandy about with Slytherin's air on the loose, is it? You definitely think it is potter than Ernie, said a girl with blonde pigtails anxiously. Hannah, said the boy said the stout boy solemnly. He's a parcel mouth. Everyone knows that's the mark of a dark wizard. Have you ever heard Have you ever heard of a descent of one who could talk to a snake? They called Slytherin himself Serpent Tongue. There was some heavy murmuring at this, and Ernie went on. Went on. Went on. Remember what was written on the wall? Enemies of the air, beware. Potter has some sort of runt had some sort of run in with Filch. Next thing we know, Filch's cat is attacked. That first year Creevy was annoying Potter at the Quidditch match, taking pictures of him while he was lying in the mud. Next thing we know, Colin's been attacked. He's always seems he always seems so nice, though, mm-hmm. said Hannah un- mm-hmm. uncertainly. And well he's the one that made you know who disappeared. He can't be all he can't be all he can't be all bad, can he? Ernie lowered his voice mysteriously as the Hufflepuff spent closer. No one knows how he survived the attack by you-know-who. I mean to say he was only a baby when it happened. He sh- He was only a baby when it happened. He should have blamed- He should have been blasted to smithereens Only d- really- only a really powerful dark wizard could only a really powerful dark wizard could have survived a curse like that he dropped his voice until it was barely more than a whisper and said that's probably why you know who wanted to kill him in the first place didn't want another dark lord competing with him i wonder i wonder i wonder what other powers potter's been hiding Harry couldn't take any more. Clearing his throat loudly, he stepped out from behind the bookshelves. If he hadn't been feeling so angry, he would have found he would have found the sight that greeting he would have found the sight that greeted him funny. Every one of the Hufflepuffs looked as though they hadn't as though they had been petrified at the sight of him and the color was draining out of Ernie's face. Hello, said Harry. I'm just looking for Justin Finch Fletchie. The Hufflepuffs' worst fears have clearly been confirmed. They all looked fearfully at Ernie. What do you want with them? said Ernie in a quivering voice. I want to tell him what really happened with that snake at the dueling club," said Harry. Ernie bit his white lips and then and then taking a deep a deep breath said, "We were all there. We saw what happened." Then you noticed after I spoke to it, the snake backed off," said Harry. "I all I saw," said Ernie stubbornly, through said Ernie stubbornly, Though he was trembling as he spoke, was you speaking Parseltongue and chasing the snake towards Justin? I didn't chase him," said Harry, his voice shaking with anger. "I didn't even touch him." It was a very near miss," said Ernie. And in case you're getting ideas, he added hastily, "I might tell, y- I might tell you." That you can trace my family back through nine generations generations of witches and warlocks, who in my blood's as pure as anyone's. So, I don't care what sort of blood you've got, said Harry fe- fiercely. Where do you, why would I want to attack a muggle I've heard you hate those muggles you live with, said Ernie swiftly. It's not possible. It's not possible to live with the Dursleys and not hate them. said Harry. I'd like to see you try it. He turned on his heel and stormed off out of the library, earning himself a reproving glare from Madame Pence, who was polishing a a gilded cover of a large spellbook. Harry thundered up the corridor. Barely noticing where he was going, he was in such a he was in such a fury. the The result was that he walked into something very large and solid, which knocked him backwards onto the floor. Oh, hello, Haggard," Harry said, looking up. Haggard's face was entirely hidden by a woolly, snow-covered ba- balaclava. He couldn't possibly... And- but it couldn't possibly be any anyone else as he saw through most as he filled almost the oh, ugh, most of the corridor in his moleskin overcoat coat. a dead rooster hanging hanging from one of his massive massive gloved hands all right harry he said pulling the balaclava pulling up the balaclava so he could speak. Why aren't you in class? Canceled, said Harry, getting up. "What are you doing? What are you doing here?" Hagrid held up the limp rooster. Second time, second one killed this term," he explained. "It's, it's either foc- It's either foxes or blood or blood-sucking bugbear, and I need, I need the headmaster's permission to put a charm around." The hen coop. He peered more closely at Harry from under his thick, snowy, snowflake eyebrows. You sure you're alright? You look you look all hot and bothered. Harry couldn't bring himself to repeat what Ernie and the rest of the Hufflepuffs had been saying about him. It's nothing, he said. I'd, I'd better get going, Hagrid. It's Transfiguration next, and I've got to pick up my books. He walked off, his mind still full of what Ernie said about him. Justin's been waiting for something like this to happen ever since he let it slip to Potter he was a Muggle-born. Harry stamped up the stairs and turned along another corridor, which was practic- which was particularly dark. The torches had been extingu- extinguished by a strong icy draft that was blowing through the loose window. Through the loose window pane. he was halfway down the passage when he tripped along. When he tripped headlong over something lying on the floor, he turned to squint, squint at what he'd fallen over, and felt as though his stomach had dissolved. Justin Finch-Fletchy was lying on the floor, rigid and cold. A look of, a look of shock, frozen, frozen. A look of shock, frozen on his face. His eyes staring blankly at the ceiling. And that wasn't all. Next to him was another figure, the strangest sight Harry had ever seen. It was nearly headless Nick, no longer pearly white and transparent, but black and smoky, floating immobile and horizontal, six inches off the floor. His head was half off, and his face wore, wore an expression of shock identical to Justin's. Harry got to his feet. His breathing fast and shallow. His heart doing a kind of drumroll against his ribs. He looked wildly up and wildly up and down the deserted corridor and saw a line of spiders scuttling as fast as they could away from the bodies. The only sounds were muffled voices of teachers from the classes on either side. He could run and no one would ever know he had been there, but he couldn't just leave them he couldn't just leave them lying here. And he had to get he had to get help. Would anyone believe he hadn't done anything? He hadn't had anything to do with this. As he stood there panicking, a door to the a door right next to him opened with a bang. Peeves the poltergeist came shooting out. Why it's Potty wee Potter! Cackled Peeves, knocking Harry's glasses askew as he bounded past him. What's Potter up to? What's Potter? Why is Potter lurking? Lurking? Peeves stopped halfway, halfway through midair, through a midair somersault, upside down. He spotted Justin and nearly headless Nick. He flipped right, right way up, filled his lungs, and before Harry could stop him, screamed, "Attack! Attack! Another attack! No mortal or ghost is safe. Run for your lives! Attack!" Crash! 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 Door after door flew open along the corridor, and people flooded out for several long minutes for several long minutes. There was a scene of such confusion that justin that Justin was in danger of being that Justin was in danger of being squashed by people, and people kept standing on nearly headless neck. Harry found himself pinned against the wall as teachers shouted for quiet. Professor McGonagall came running, followed by her, followed by her own class, one who still had black and white striped hair. She used it. She she used her wand to set off a loud bang, which restored silence and ordered everyone back into their classes. No sooner sooner had the scene cleared somewhat, somewhat than Ernie, the Hufflepuff, arrived, panting, panting on the scene. Caught in the act, he uh, Ernie yelled, his face stark white, pointing at his finger, pointing his finger dramatically at Harry. That will do, Macmillan," said Professor McGonagall sharply. Peeves was bobbing overhead now, grinning weak- wickedly, surveying the scene. Peeves always loved chaos. As the teachers bent over Dresden and nearly headless Nick, and ex- nearly headless Nick. Examining them, Peeves broke into song. Oh, Potter, you rotter, Oh, oh! what have you done? You're killing off students. You think it's good fun. That's enough, Peeves, barked Professor McGonagall, and Peeves zoomed away backward with his tongue out at Harry. Justin was carried up to the hospital wing by Professor Flitwick and Professor Sinestra of the Sinestria, Sinistri- of the astronomy department, but nobody seemed to know what to do for nearly headless Nick. In the end, Professor McGonagall conjured a large fan, fan out of thin air, which she gave to, which she gave to Ernie with instructions to waft nearly headless Nick up the stairs. This Ernie did, fanning Nick along, fanning Nick along a silent. Bl- like a silent black hovercraft. This left Harry and Professor McGonagall alone together. This way, Potter, she said. Professor said Harry at once. I swear I didn't this is out of my hands, Potter, said Professor McGonagall curtly. They marched in silence around the corner, and she stopped and she stopped before a large and extremely ugly stone gargoyle. Lemon drop, she said. This was evidently a password because the gargoyle sprang suddenly to life and hopped and hopped aside. was my place okay sprang to suddenly sprang suddenly to life and hopped aside as the wall behind him split in two. Even full of dread for what was coming, Harry couldn't fail to be amazed. Behind the wall was a spiral staircase that was moving smoothly upward like an escalator. He and Professor McGonagall stepped onto it. Harry heard the wall thud close behind them. They rose upward in circles, higher and higher, until at last, slightly dizzy, Harry saw a gleaming oak door ahead with a brass knock- knocker the shape of a griffin. He knew where he he knew where he had been taken. This must be where Dumbledore lived. This has been the Very Harry Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Bye-bye.